Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. <laughs> welcome to Mixed Company. All right, guys, welcome back to episode 32, and we have all the things to talk about. Actually, we don't have that all the things to talk about. No. We actually have one thing to talk yeah. about. Um, just so you guys know, we are recording this fresh off of the um, Charlottetown? Yes, Char- Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Um, terror. Terrorism rally? Yeah, terrorism rally. Actually, I shout out, I haven't given CNN much credit in a while, <laughs> but shout out to them for actually calling it what it was on their um on their title banners all over the weekend that this yes. was a terror attack. Yep. And these are terror influenced uh people or terrorists rather that were carrying out these rallies, these marches, these um acts of violence, um and act of murder. Yep. So um act of hate. Our t- our conversation is going to lean into that. Um we talk about self-care and we talk about making sure that we have a voice so yes obviously that's going to be the main thing we talk about uh but before we get into that as always we're going to go ahead and get things started with dope shit or ain't shit hey um karina you want to go well you know what you want me to go i can go first you want to (laughs) go so um i've been trying to incorporate good vibes <laughs> into my life because of these trouble times. So my dope shit is uh, Shonda Rhimes getting, signing her Netflix deal. What? Um, Educate, please. So she basically signed a Netflix deal to, I think that's just where everything, all of her new productions are going to be, for Shonda Land are going to be under or co- released through Netflix. What about ABC? So that's still going to happen. So basically she's the baddest motherfucker out there right now because um, How to Get Away with Murder. I think Scandal is in this last season. Uh, but How to Get Away with Murder and Grey's Anatomy are going to continue on ABC. And everything else, everything new that she's coming out with is going to be under Netflix. Nice. So um, she was getting like $10 million a year under ABC. So that's like 10 million plus more money. <laughs> 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 we just put a greater than symbol after 10 mil. Yeah, so uh, that's happening. She's dope. And actually, her ABC deal expires 2018, but I think the other shows are just going to keep going. Uh, yeah, I believe the shows are going to keep going, but she's essentially the exclusive, the exclusivity contract, I believe, is ending. Oh, um, so therefore, Shondaland gets the opportunity to expand into, um, I guess into, fuck, fuck it, into Netflix. Like, like who, like who has not cut their cord at this point and and largely relies on Netflix original content and a Hulu original content to keep them and Amazon Prime content to keep them going. So, she know what she doing. She let me tell you who won't be broke. <laughs> Shonda Rhimes' great great grandchildren. Okay, that's how you build you know, wealth. So good for them. Not even a little bit. That's what's up. She paid. Paid, paid. That's it. Oh, that's really okay. So 
Speaking of television, the ancient part was my TV needs to be repaired. <laughs> but at least I didn't really watch the news that bad. I was on Facebook the entire time. But my shout out is to video games because that's what I was playing when I wasn't online. So that helped with my self-care that we're going to talk about. But shout out to video games. And when my TV gets fixed, I'm buy an what Xbox were you playing? One. Like, what were you playing? Like Tekken 3? Like, no. Did you whip <laughs> out Mortal Kombat? I didn't play any sniper games or nothing like that. I you tried don't to give me. What's that joint called? Uh, in, uh, not, what's it called? San Andreas like Gears Ball? of War? No. Oh. The joint in um, LA. Oh, Grand Theft Ooh, Auto. Oh, Grand Theft Auto. I need to get that. <laughs> But I'm like, oh, these are good. No, I was playing like just racing games and um, some old school Mario games. But it was so much fun. You know, when I wasn't, you know, watching the craziness that was happening outside and online, I was watching, I was playing my video games and that helped me with a lot. That's it. That's good. Um, For those of us that weren't drinking, and pay- playing video games. <laughs> I was 13. <laughs> for therapy. That's awesome. No, I think that's good. I think that's a good point to bring up. Um, uh, okay, so uh, my dope shit, it's actually really dope shit, and I think it's funny. Um, and it, it, ga- it gave, me, gave me a little laugh and a, a feeling of vindication um, when I heard about it on the news, but... Um, if you are on Twitter right now, I suggest you go to your Twitter and type into the um, search bar at yes, your spelled correctly y o u r e racist. Yes, oh, at yes, you're racist. Um, essentially, what this is, it's a Twitter handle that has been around since 2012. Uh, exposing casual racism on Twitter. Uh, Recently, with all of the uh, not-so-quiet comments that people have been making, and also, um, if we're going to speak to the... If we're going to speak to the Charlottesville uh, incident this weekend, or or terrorism this weekend, there were a lot of people that ended up in professional pictures that they didn't know were getting taken of them. Um, and a lot of those people are being exposed, uh, many of them specifically through this Twitter handle. Essentially, the gentleman that put this amazing platform together um, crowdsources uh, information about people that are caught doing really racist things. Uh, and for the, re- the, for the record, he's a white man. <laughs> um, which, you know, as we've been talking about more recently, as we you know, as we say, this is the kind of, not help, but this is the kind of, of um, allyship. allyship that you that you look for from mm-hmm. people that say they want to help. He's out here crowdsourcing information about people out here that are just being complete bigots. So a lot of the, the young, <laughs> I'm not going to be that respectful. A lot of these motherfuckers <laughs> are on TV all weekend. <laughs> Um, chanting and 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 beating people, beating people that you don't know what they have to go home to. They go home to 
families just like yours that mm-hmm. love them and mm-hmm. care for them. They have jobs just like you do. They're out here trying to pay their bills. They're out here just trying to live and get by and, and get past everything that's happening right mm-hmm. now. This Twitter handle, sending these pictures to the interwebs, asking people like the back of a milk carton, have you seen me? Do you know me? And people are responding. And he, they were saying, he was saying on the news earlier that people actually respond very quickly. Like, yes, oh, wow. that's, you know, that's, I don't know, John Doe from, from the bank. my high school, or that is my bank, my banker, or that Mm-mm. is the guy that works at my library Don't and actually giving and literally <laughs> giving the information people are literally giving the information they have about them so on one hand it's amazing because honestly people should be held accountable there's a lot of um twitter thugs out here and comment comment thugs out here that just want to say things and be disrespectful and be hurtful because they're hurt um yep. they feel like they can get away with it and i'm sure there were tons of people down there um at uva um, who just yeah. really felt like I'm gonna I'm going to go and stand for something and nobody's going to know I'm gonna go back and live my quiet life um that showed up today Monday morning and you know they didn't have no job so like, uh, what'd you do over the weekend you know what'd you do over the weekend it doesn't really matter I joined some friends with some let me tell you what you, <laughs> let me tell you what you're not gonna do this week <laughs> you're not gonna come back here so um there's also uh, while I wrap this part up, there's also a sister site, or sorry, a sister Twitter handle called Yes, You're, you're Sexist. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, which I also found hilarious. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm just out here. I think it is important to call people out. Um, I think there's a productive angle from it. Like, if you're not calling people out to... If you're not calling people out to just call them out and you're calling them out with purpose because the reality is if we're going to curate and create this world that everybody continues to talk about like we just we just want things to be peaceful and we want then we need to actually get, get we need to actually like punish people for being um big ass meanies. So big ass meanies I and mean, you just said even, motherfuckers 2 seconds ago. I don't even know like what else to call it at this point. Like there's not enough curse words in the world to like to to describe the bullshit that's happening and you're at this point it's like you're just being mean you're being mean for no reason you're being stupid you're being dumb you're an asshole like i don't know right i mean i feel like he he was doing the lord's work he was doing the lord amen because one of one of my biggest issues and i guess this kind of leads into the topic that we're having today which is you know these people who go to these basically these hate rallies they're your coworkers like and i think when when it comes to the communications industry we kind of approach this like we're in a bubble and everybody's really liberal and everybody's like for equal rights and some of these people work right next to us and i feel like what he was doing was not only holding people accountable but letting people know that they can't hate in in a silo, so to speak. Um, so I appreciate what he was doing, and and he worked really quickly because it was like those pictures came out, and then like an hour later, there was like, this is actually job <laughs> Joe from Amazon, and he should be fired. Bye bye. <laughs> so um, I'm yeah, I'm here for everybody that's trying to do the Lord's work. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Um, so yeah, that kind of leads us into our topic for the day um 
I don't even know how, how I, there's no intro for it. Like, if you don't know what the hell, what the fuck happened, then you need to take your ass to Twitter. Um, and it doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter when it was. Um, a week ago, two weeks ago, this is a like year ago, like, yeah. you need to take your ass to Twitter um, and just follow the hashtag Charlottesville um, and do a quick recap for yourself. Um, and what this does, how I feel about it, it, this puts us in the same position we where we are every about every year, twice a year, three times a year, where people yeah. of color and and maybe this is a little bit different because now there are more uh, people that are not of color that are being affected uh, by this. Um, so here we are again. Um, and we are in danger. Like, essentially, you're in danger because of how you look. I'm in danger for some shit I can't change. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you know, with this Twitter handle, like, yes, you're, yes, you're a racist out here, um, basically calling attention to the fact that a lot of these quote-unquote alt-right followers and neo-Nazis and, and Nazis and racists and white supremacists and Fuck, what were we calling them back in 2004 or 2008? Um, what did we call the far left? They had their own, listen, this is the thing. I'm going to search it while you guys are talking. Because they had, like, this was in a, like, a new, um, this is essentially like a newer group of conservatives. I thought it was alt-right. No. I'm going to find it while we Google it, because this was like a big thing that was coming. There were a whole bunch of new pundits coming out that were very conservative back in 2004 and 2008. What? Um, but whatever the fuck you want to call them, it's all shrouded in white supremacy. Um, and here we are uh, after a weekend full of the news just slapping us upside the head with it. And we got to sit back at our desks. Um, was it Watts? And we have to decompress. No, no, I'm going to find it. Okay, I'm gonna find it. But we have to sit back, sit down at our desk and carry on. Um, hopefully, this time not as if nothing happened. Um, I do feel very strongly that there are a lot more people that I've seen that I've had conversations with that since last year, mm -hmm. since the the first week of July when all of the bullshit happened with Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. Um, essentially, now people are having these conversations. People do want to know. They do want to learn. Um, and not only do they want to help, because I feel like help is a Band-Aid, but they actually want to be a part of the change um, that they kind of, they were hoping to wish away mm. in the past. So here we are again. We got to come back to work on Mondays. Um, and we may have to be in a position where we have conversations. So today's episode is essentially, with all the racial tension this year, and quite honestly every other year, uh, as long as well as with the Trump administration and outward support and, any, and blatant support of racism, um, how do you take on discussions uh, outside that that essentially happen outside of the workplace now within the workplace? So now people are more comfortable having conversations. But how do you guide these conversations? How do you make them productive? Um, that's what we're talking about today. So the first question is, what is the best approach to having these conversations at work? Um, it seems like sometimes we wait until 
there's an event that happens to start these discussions, but what else can you do or what else should you do, if anything, to have the conversation? Yeah, I think agencies are now having the conversation with the death of Philando Castile and I always and I always mispronounce I keep keep forgetting, but Sterling. You know, from that moment we saw Whiting and Kennedy, you know, do outward support. We saw was that when Facebook did their support as well? So companies are having are becoming more comfortable, you know, talking about race, but it's a new ground because not everybody knows how to navigate that conversation. And I don't, I mean, I personally think, like, it depends on the size of your agency, you know? Some agencies can do that intimate conversation where, you know, we've acknowledged what has happened. At least if you need a place to start, you know, we acknowledge that, how that can be unsettling in your day-to-day life. You know, you don't know if people have, kids who go to because that was at a university like campus mm-hmm. so you don't know if ki- some people's kids go to university of virginia you don't know if family members are there like you know start from a human point of view and i think for larger agencies i remember at my one of my old agencies during the uh, pulse shooting they had like a conversation up on the rooftop like just for people who could go up there and and say like if you want to have this conversation there's this open space so I think just carving out the space but creating a place a space where the people can just safely talk about their feelings is a place to start I mean I think you know agencies facilitating you know group discussions is probably a good thing um, I know the agency where I'm at right now, they, they did that during, you know, Philando, when Philando Castile was, was murdered. I think for me, um, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be the one to facilitate a one-on-one conversation with the people that I work with. Um, just because this, these issues, I kind of feel like they're, they're emotional. And I don't get emotional with my coworkers. It's just not the way that I operate. Um, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to to have this conversation. But I, I do. I do want to know that the people that I work with acknowledge when these things mm-hmm. happen, instead of yeah. you know just kind of I don't know brushing it to the side. Because I've and I think I said this last year. And it's unfortunate that we're having this conversation again, where. You know, I've been at agencies during, and, you know, fucked up things have been happening for the last, like, major um, incidents have been happening for the last couple of years. And so I've seen the different reactions that have occurred for the Boston uh, Marathon bombing Mm -hmm. and Sandy Hook. And then the difference in how people reacted to something like... um, the, the the people who were shot in the church um, down south, um, I forget what what's in South Carolina, in South Charleston, Carolina, in Charleston. Um, so to see the difference in how people were reacting with with those shootings, which were you know predominantly white compared to predominantly uh, the victim, where the victims were predominantly white compared to victims who were predominantly black. So to see how people are reacting now, it is. 
I prefer what's happening now as to, you know, people just kind of ignoring that something happened. And maybe it was because it wasn't, you know, people didn't, these conversations are uncomfortable. So maybe people didn't want to have these conversations at work because, you know, people like to um, not necessarily bring their political or personal values into the workplace. But I do prefer for people to have these conversations in the workplace. I just am not probably going to be the one to facilitate it. I think all of that, sorry, I think all of that, um, yeah, all of that makes sense. I think the best approach to having these, well, the best approach for me to having this conversation is by staying open. Um, I read an article by Panama Jackson, who writes for uh, very, very smart brothers, uh, dot com. if any of you have ever had the luxury uh, to read any of their uh, um, micro blog or yeah, micro blogs and long form articles mm-hmm. during the day um, about how he feels like he. He didn't say he felt privileged, but he did feel the responsibility to be the black guy in the office that um, will answer your questions about black people and black culture. Mm. Um, I'm one of those people that also feels the responsibility uh, because I find that if we're gonna give people a chance to make change and we're gonna give people a chance to not um, be ignorant, Mm -hmm. quite honestly, because we like to say, oh, that person is just ignorant or why don't you know? Um, You can't Google the nuances of our culture. Um, A lot of that you actually have to live. We can Google mainstream american culture which is essentially white culture we know what that is we know what that is because we all went to the same you know the same uh educate through the same educational systems um well i think some universities are different I <laughs> different things. Um, but for the most part the educational system is geared towards teaching people in general about mainstream uh, United States history, which is white history. It excludes a lot of the contributions from African Americans, Latin Americans, Native Americans, and Asian Americans. And therefore, for me, because you didn't get the same kind of in-depth, um, the in-depth analysis of what it, what people like me and and my friends and my family live like, I don't want you to go through life continuing to think it's okay that you don't know. So I feel the responsibility to tell you. Um, I do think that it's unfortunate that we wait until there's an event to have these discussions, but I do feel like that is what makes it more authentic to have the conversation Mm -hmm. because I don't necessarily want in the middle of a meeting uh, after we just finished talking about balancing a balance sheet or some shit for you to say, you know, what's it like to be a black woman? Like, that's not <laughs> when I want to have the conversation, quite honestly. I, I do prefer to have it when it's on the top of my mind. And I feel like that's it's natural because it becomes um, it becomes recent news. And therefore, let's have the conversation. But I, I, I feel like, yeah, definitely what you're what you're saying makes sense. But because race has been such a, a hot topic for the last couple of years, there there really hasn't been a down cycle in like us not talking with race not being in the public eye. So I don't I don't think it would be an un- unnatural if somebody just like had a conversation with you to kind of figure out what your what you're thinking if 
they if they don't want to be ignorant about it. And, and it's kind of the reason why we have this podcast, which is, you know, we're being frank about how we feel about race and how we want others to address us um, when it comes to race. So I I kind of disagree with you. I would rather not have these conversations. I mean, if we have these conversations when a tragedy happens, yes, but for me personally, I would rather not have this conversation. And I during, think that's fine. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And I feel like mm-hmm. I've said that before on no, many of our isn't. shows where it's kind of like, I know that there are people who feel very strongly I don't want to be the one to tell you about, you know, why people feel Black Lives Matter. Right. I don't want to be the one to tell you why my hair doesn't straighten the way your hair straightens naturally. And I, and, and I think that's fine. It's not for everybody. Everybody's not supposed to right. work in advertising. Everybody is supposed to be a teacher. Everybody's not supposed to be an accountant. I feel like everybody has their place. However, I also feel strongly one of my... One of my weak points with myself is being very critical of people for having a lack of knowledge about something that I feel should be common knowledge. Mm -hmm. A way to combat that, a way for me not to just spaz out on somebody for saying some dumb shit is to correct them. So now I know for a fact that you're going to know better. So when when or if you do it again, you say it again, now I know you just don't give a fuck. So for me, it's, it's, it's better for me to walk through life giving you the benefit of the doubt that you just don't know than to just walk through the life and, and walk, than for me to walk through life and miss the opportunity to change somebody's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'll say there are many people that I feel that I've helped to change their perspective on a lot of things when it comes to race relations and culture, et cetera. Um, the same way we, like, how do we, how do we, if we're, if we're going to talk about it in terms of black and white, how do we get our white allies to talk to their white friends and family mm-hmm. about our concerns if the white allies don't even have the point of context that we need them to have yeah. to have the conversation? And I, I think, I'm not saying don't have the conversation. And I think for me, where probably what I'm, what I actually am saying is when these incidents happen, right? it's almost like you go into a state of grieving like you well act for, for me i can't speak for everybody else so it it almost feels like a state of grieving where you just don't want to have that conversation in that moment i would rather let a little time pass process and then have this conversation because i don't want you to because again like ignorance right so us having this conversation when i'm emotional mm-hmm. right and then we then you said this last episode too, right so like that's so, so, yeah so like us, us having this conversation when i'm emotional i don't because i don't i don't want to lash out on you right. and and when it when you're emotional it's like you just said some dumb shit and i don't i don't want to deal with this so letting time because it's, it's about it's about being considerate it's like if somebody's loved one passed like you don't necessarily like you like you don't you don't force a conversation with them right and i think this it's unfortunate well it's not unfortunate but like you just look at the way that people talk about these issues on social media people take it like we take it personal because there's there's this kinship that you feel immediately with these people that you don't even know because a lot of the times like these situations are so relatable because 
you see yourself in them. It's like I drive a car, so I get pulled over by the cops. So to to know that someone got shot for reaching for their wallet, it it does make you emotional because it's like that could have easily been me. So I per- prefer, I would prefer for people to kind of give me a minute to breathe and process. And then if you want to have the conversation, like we can have the conversation. I'm always open to having, having a conversation, but like immediately after it happens, I don't want to talk to you about this because this is, it, it hits too close to home. And I don't, in that moment, my personality doesn't want to teach you about your ignorance and we could talk about it. I think that's fair. I think it's interesting that you say like the kinship, the relatability of of why people get so emotional. It's not only like you see yourself in that situation, you've probably been in that situation and you ended up alive or you've seen you've been around you've been not part of you what is the what is the word you've witnessed or you've been in like structural racism or you've been passed up or you've been just treated differently because you're the color of your skin like that's happened to you like that you know what that feels like you you've been through it and i think when you hit like when you think about it and someone has died or you see people in their ignorance you're like you know that's a what i have was a close call like this could have been me like that's a part where i don't know if maybe it is considered grieving but it's just like you have to educate people because it's life threatening yeah i think that's fair um and I, specific to that question i think it's just going to be based on on your personality like right if you are the kind of person that doesn't mind sharing, share. Do it for the culture, though. Don't share out of, don't share to be funny. Don't share to be the token. Do it for your people. Do it for, do it for something greater than you. Do it to conserve the culture. Do it so that people respect you before you walk into the room because they respect your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that becomes the difference. Um, so something else that tends to happen uh, when you go to work, uh, traditionally when bad things happen, people don't say anything, right? Um, so what are you supposed to do in those moments uh, when your agency or your organization says nothing? Should you even be the person to speak up? Um, that's the second question. So my take on this, um, I feel I feel very strongly that if you are upset that something is not being addressed, uh, if you are taking it personally, then you should personally, excuse me, I just burped. (laughs) Then you should personally be the person to speak on behalf of the thing that's causing you pain. Um, Who said it? I don't know. We have to Google it, but it's like, if you like it's one of those it's there's a saying that's like if you if they if you don't speak up or if you don't cry out or scream out uh when they hurt you or when they kill you they'll tell they'll say you liked it or that you enjoyed it Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it's kind of like 
you got to speak up on behalf of yourself. I do feel that for an organization or an agency or any, um, any, anywhere you work, any place of work, um, if nothing is ever addressed, if the policy is to leave the news and all of that outside of the workplace uh, and your specific issues are not being discussed, I feel that there's consistency in that. I, um, to be quite honest, I know we work in advertising. Uh, we were, many of us, that many people that listen work in media. Um, and that is our job, to be on the pulse of what is happening in current news. Um, so if you are going to address anything else that happens in the world, if you are gonna offer your condolences for anything else happening in any corner of the world and not speak to the things that affect your employees and the people that quite honestly make you the most money, um, then you have an, a real issue that, that needs to be addressed. Um, we talked about it last time where it's like, you know, sometimes it's easy to speak to, you know, it's easy to say, we stand with Paris, or we stand with, uh, let's say, London or Brussels or places that Boston or Boston, or we stand with New York City during 9/11, and we stand with uh, San Bernardino in California because those are places that seem um, they seem safe. They're safe to talk about. They they offer a, a feeling of nostalgia and and mainstream mainstreamity i feel like i just made a made up a word but you know what i meant but you know what yeah. i mean like these are things that, like when you hear about it it doesn't it doesn't feel right but when you hear about i feel like i heard somebody one day talking about something that was you know every fourth of july the news likes to bring attention to how many people were shot and killed in chicago as if as if it doesn't happen every day and if you're going to point out one holiday weekend then i feel like you should talk about this the um systematic uh the systematic issues that it causes um and why there are so many violent deaths in the city and in every city but like you don't hear people say i stand with chicago you won't necessarily hear people go out of their way quite often until recently this is the first time i'm really seeing it to condemn uh, when the Charleston shooting happened versus Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. That was a terrorist attack on a black church that was not called a terrorist attack. It was a tragedy, shouldn't have happened, boo-hoo. Um, nobody talked about it, nobody cared. All those lives lost, nobody cared. Um, we cared, we talked about mm -hmm. it. But the people that we had to sit around for 10 hours in the day didn't speak to it. Um, I feel this time around, what we're looking for, what um, what is happening is more people are having the conversation. So, I, yeah, more people are having the conversation. So, so there is change. My point to all of this, because I feel like I could ramble about it forever, is you got to do what what makes you feel good. Again, like my thing is always do it for the culture. Like if you see that some shit is fucked up, if you notice that people are saying negative things about it, like why does it matter or that it, you know, this is stupid or like it's not that big of a deal or acknowledging other situations as if they're more important than your own, then yes, you totally should stand up for yourself. I feel like that's that's a key, which is 
you know, the fact that they acknowledge those other situations, it's when they acknowledge those and they don't acknowledge tragedies that involve black people, it's almost like we're not human, right? So you see when when something like Sandy Hook or Paris or um, or Pulse shooting happens, the people stand with those people. And it's it's to me, it's like it's because you see the humanity in them. So when you don't do the same thing for tragedies that involve black people, then it's almost like you don't see us as human. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how we internalize it. And that's quite honestly, I think the best way to describe it. Um, the other piece to, to this is like, how do you deal with cult workers who don't share or have, um, who don't share your beliefs, essentially? Um, how do you handle, how do you navigate a conversation so that it is not only productive, but can uh, sustain a professional work relationship if and when you do not share the same perspectives, mindsets, or beliefs about about um, current events. That's yeah. some hard shit. Yeah, I'm gonna have to defer to y'all because I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand, like, because there are gonna be people who just don't agree, and, and that's people. Like, not everybody is gonna have. Not everybody has a liberal view. Not everybody has a liberal view on everything and it's like you have to be op you have to be open to that because that is that quote unquote diversity of thought but people have that idea for a reason and you can't say like well what you're saying makes no sense like you can't say that because people have it everybody's not going to think the same um I've had these kinds of conversations all my life. I've had to fight um, people that, in my opinion, just have really fucked up perspectives. I remember a few years ago, I was working at an agency, and um, the conversation, this is around the time that Spike Lee made these quote-unquote offensive comments while he was speaking to um, a group of students at Pratt about gentrification in Brooklyn. Um, Essentially, like, he was just saying, like, it's bullshit. Like, y'all, he's talking about white people. Y'all move into Brooklyn, and now everybody gives a fuck. But, like, people have been here for generations and couldn't get their garbage picked up. Like, that was that that was literally the, the excuse me, the example that he gave. Um, and I, I got into this. It wasn't heated, actually. Like, I got into this debate. It was a very serious debate conversation it was also over over wine which is probably the worst idea out of everything but um the person I was speaking to was actually the creative director at this agency um like he just really felt like it was wrong he said why does it matter like that's not true as if he's been here and like just saying like yeah but the people that lived he lived there they didn't care about the neighborhood so and like just making a lot of um he was insinuating, a, he was basically. Tells what a is lot it? of stereotypes. Right, like he was calling out stereotypes and, and really insistent that the people coming into the neighborhood actually want to make it better as if the people that lived there before didn't. Like Obviously, they weren't complaining for like generations. Like they weren't complaining <laughs> for generations and all of a sudden in like, you know, this new wave of people that came to Brooklyn, all of a sudden they looked around and 
again, Pocahontas. Right. We, my people, have saved millions of savages from their savagery. We're coming to clean up your garbage. And, like, that's a hard situation to be in. There are going to be many, many, many conversations. There have been, on my end, many conversations that I have had with coworkers um, and people, coworkers and people of authority and people of authority's authority about culture and race relations. And honestly, most often, more often than not, people just don't agree. And that's okay. Like, for me, I feel very strongly that you got to know your audience. And I go into conversations understanding that sometimes we just not going to agree. And my thing is always to just stop while I'm ahead. Like, a simple, like, after I've said everything I can say and I start to realize that I'm actually about to just start repeating myself and... I've given you all the facts and you're still coming back with some bullshit and fuckery. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I get it. I don't agree with you, but like, okay. But I tell you this though, I know who you are now. I know, I know what to expect from you now. I know who, I know who you're not and you're not the good person that you think you are. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, if, if I know that we're not going to get to a point of solution and honestly, like even like within our conversations, like there are, Times where, like, we just don't fucking agree. True. <laughs> we just don't fucking agree. And, like, you're not always going to be in a situation where people can make you agree. Right. And you need to learn no one to back off. The, I don't, here's the thing. I don't think our goal in any of these conversations when we're having them with people is to agree. We're not always going to find a solution. I think what's really important is to use that as an oppor- use these conversations as an opportunity to 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 weed out the people that you can get to. Who are the people that when you have these conversations, you know that they're actually listening and they're picking it up and they're taking it back to their people. Fuck the motherfuckers out there that want to sit here and insist that there's no such thing as racism and that the more divisive we are, that's why these people are clashing and what are some other shit, I've, uh, other comments I've read? You know, um, we're all the same and dumb shit like that. Like, we're not. And, like, if I can't get through, if you can't use the information that I've given you, the same way you would read it in a book, the same way we had to read American history from a book, and use that to critically think, to write essays and all this bullshit we had to do on tests, because essentially we had to retain what we learned and we had to give it back to people and formulate different ideas and opinions about it in a way that kind of followed the line. If you can't use that same thought process to understand why certain things affect me and people like me um, in a negative way, then fuck you. Like, I don't need, like, (laughs) I mean, we don't really need to speak. I really don't want to speak to people like that anyway. Right. I mean, like, it's just, you just got to get to the point where you recognize like this conversation isn't going anywhere. And quite honestly, you're just fucking wrong and you're just always going to be wrong. And you know, that's fine. I'm about to go get a drink. Bye. Like I haven't, I haven't had, um, those kind of disagreements at work. And it's probably because I avoid having these conversations at work because to me, like this is, this is almost borderline the same thing as having a conversation about religion where, these you, trying to and I mean our goal or or my personal goal is I don't necessarily want to change your politics it's for you to 
see me and people who look like me and talk like me and dress like me. I just want you to see us as human, right? That's that's the bare basics of what it is that if if I am going going to have this conversation. But the reason why I don't have these conversations or, or try not to have these conversations at work is because there's a good chance that it's going to get heated. And I don't want to... I almost feel like I won't be responsible for the shit that comes out of my mouth when it gets heated because to to negate or to debate something as simple as Black Lives Matter or why someone shouldn't be killed when they're unarmed is to basically tell me that you don't think that I'm human or that I don't deserve justice. And so... I can't necessarily see myself being calm in that situation. I'm not going to punch you in the face, but I can't necessarily see myself having a teaching moment with you when you're basically telling me that I don't deserve what you deserve because I've had a cop pull a gun on me. So I know what that feels like. So for you to sit there and debate, you know, with me, like why these cops need to, why these cops are justified in what it is that they do when I'm telling you that I had a, a cop pull a gun on me because I was getting out of my car to change my tire. We're not going to have a civil conversation. Like, it's just like, it can't be civil because you're telling me that I deserve these bad things that I'm encountering and why? And not just that, but like, you got like, man, I, like I think one of the best classes I took after, after taking my diaspora classes, of course, but like one of the best <laughs> classes that I took when I was at Howard was, um, it was a, 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 it was a public speaking class, but we didn't just learn how to speak in public. We didn't just learn how to give speeches. What we learned was like the formula for conversation, which is why sometimes I get really frustrated when people have conversations and like you could tell who's an active listener and who's not. There are people in this world that speak to be heard and that speak to engage. And those are two different things. If you're speaking to engage, there's a learning process that has to happen, which means you have to listen and retain, formulate a thought so that you can have a follow-up comment and then go through that process all over again. People that speak to be heard, like they just wanna get shit off their chest. They just, that's when people are like, oh, you just wanna hear yourself talk. They're just waiting on their turn to respond. They're not processing anything you're saying like mm -hmm. you're talking about. They're not shit. Oh, my God. There's so many people, like, on just about every goddamn news channel, local, cable, or internet at this point, like, you can tell who's there just to hear themselves speak because they had an agenda to push. Mm -hmm. And they're actually... Tommy Lauren is a great example of a person that does not follow the process. Jeffrey Lord does not again does not follow the process of conversation what's old girl's name that was um speaking on behalf of trump the, during the whole election but we only seen her like once or twice recently Karen. yeah carrie uh, carrie ann carrie yeah. ann talk a lot her her um <laughs> conway right carrie ann conway again you're not speaking to engage in conversation you are pushing an agenda those are not the kind of people that you should be engaging with in conversation no. anyway. The whole point of, conver of, of conversing is like it is, it's a choreographed um, act. Like, like there are steps to it. And it's kind of like 
you get really frustrated. We all get frustrated. And I think that that's how a lot of argument, unnecessary arguments start. Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking speaking loudly and like borderline yelling because people of color, sometimes we just speak loud. Mm-hmm. And that's not even a stereotype. I've had to tell people many of times, we're not arguing. No. <laughs> like, we're literally just having a conversation. But the point, my point is, like, when you when you can recognize that you're getting into a conversation with somebody that is just there to say the things they have to say and they are mm-hmm. not there to engage in dialogue to which they can learn from and possibly teach you something about then we don't really need to be talking because now we're just wasting time. Right. I heard what you said, and that's the end of it. And that's and that's where it becomes divisive, right? Because, and and this is this is why a lot of these people, however they choose to identify, left wing, right wing, whatever, um, this is why they they consider these conversations divisive because they're not really there to listen, and so you basically giving your opinion which differs from theirs they consider that divisive because they're not there to retain anything so they see you as you know demanding humanity <laughs> you know at the bare bare minimum as something that's divisive because they don't really want to listen to you like they don't care about your opinion and so you just simply expressing the fact that you deserve to live is a divisive thing to say because what they're saying is they don't necessarily think that you deserve to live. And if you deserve to live, then you should be submissive and you, you don't get to, to, to have just basic human rights. So anything that diverts from basically white supremacy is seen as divisive. I also just want to go ahead and pause as we're talking about being divisive um, and go back to that uh, conservative group that I was trying to remember the name oh, of. Oh, yeah, I was about to ask you. The goddamn Tea Party, y'all. Oh! All that kept Because I'm like, what? why the fuck do I think, keep thinking about Disney cartoons? Because the Tea Party. Because <laughs> the damn Tea Party. The Tea Party is another code word as far as I am concerned for white supremacy. They've, uh, they have evolved into the alt-right. This is where Steve Bannon comes into play. Ugh, Steve Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to bring that part back up. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the last question that we have here before we get out of here um, is how, essentially, like, if you believe you're not safe, like, is is there a possibility that having these conversations can backfire on you? Um, and if that is the case, that they can, that you feel that you're in a position where they may backfire on you, um, how does that affect the work environment? How does that affect you, and what can or should you do? I think to your earlier point, when you were talking about the process of, um, well, no, I'm getting two things mixed up. When you were talking about when you have these conversations with people and then you see who they really are through the conversation, that also happens to the agency level, is to, in my perspective. Like, you see where people are halting the conversation or you see if the agency even wants to acknowledge the conversation. And then, for me, then you decide, like, is this a safe place for me to, to work in? Maybe not. It may not go to that extent, but is this a place where I would like to continue to work in that that comes to play too because for me I'm always in searching 
for a place where I can be 100% myself because if my counterpart can feel 100% at work, then why can't I? You know, I'm here to work, you know, I'm here to, I like this industry, I want to participate, I want to engage, and I want to engage to its fullest capacity that I can. So if I feel censored, that means it's going to naturally censor my work. It's going to naturally censor how I communicate with others. And I know we have that work censorship already in play, but I'm talking another level to that where you really have to filter your words to a point where you know you're you're like wash I don't know what the word is but I know there's a term for it where you're coming you're just washing what you're saying you're whitewashing it you're assimilating assimilating you're censoring yourself (laughs) now you have to now you have to code switch Right. And I feel like this question pertains to exactly what we go through. I, I think that that is exactly what we've always dealt with in the workplace, an unsafe environment if you raise your concerns. Um, but I think it's beyond code switching. I mean, code it's, switching. You know, it's all, I, yeah, I do think it's beyond that. I think it's all of it, though, because what used to happen, um, or what probably, not even what probably, what still does happen to a lot of people not all of us, but a lot of people, is that when they go to work, um, if they were to say anything that is not in line with what the mainstream ideal for what uh, is safe and righteous, they will then become ostracized. Mm -hmm. That is the concern for safety. We're not talking about safety and, like, they ain't going to come. Well, shit, we don't know if they're going to come after you with torches. Not anymore. Like, that's... (laughs) I mean, like, now that we know that is a thing, that could potentially be an option. But in general, it's more of like a social safety. Yeah. Are you, are you encouraged to be yourself and to speak freely about your experiences? We work in advertising in, in an industry that literally makes the most money off of cultures that have nothing to do with the people that actually work within them. And yet still, it's seen... It's seen as being uh, rebellious to speak about the day-to-day uh, experiences that these people that we make money off of experience. Mm-hmm. We wanna we wanna promote um, we wanna have Halloween parties and dress up like you know Native Americans, but you don't want but nobody wants to talk about how it's really fucked up. You know that folk out here not trying to get these people um, or trying to taint these people's water down in uh, Standing Rock. You know, we're out here and it's like everybody loves hip hop. Can't listen, don't put on 50 Cent in the club when it's somebody's birthday at a work function and don't expect, you know, don't yeah. think people ain't gonna try to get down or whatever. But then you bring up Black Lives Matter and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't talk about how, like, oh my God. You know, we're all here for, you know, we're just so thankful for all the women in the office. And then all of a sudden, as soon as women want to talk about, shoot, you know, I'm so glad you feel so thankful because I'm trying to get this bread, you know, because <laughs> I noticed that, you know, my counterpart makes like a shit ton more money than me. And like, you know, he's out here buying drinks for people because he can afford it. And I'm still just trying to pay off student loans. And it's like, <laughs> slow your roll. You know, <laughs> process here, you know, you get paid what you deserve. I don't know why you're asking for all this new shit. Like, <laughs> it's literally like, it's never been safe. I'll say that it has never been safe to be in a work environment. I think the way I handle it, 
I don't know if everyone wants to handle this, but the way I handle it is the way we handle it right now. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. I think transparency is key. I also, again, because that damn uh, public speaking class, Mm -hmm. I also feel very strongly that there is a way without mincing your words and without, um, without not actually saying what, what your point is without not making your point. I think there is a way to curate your words. That sounds manipulative, but it's true. I think there are, there's a way to curate your words so that you can get your point across in a firm, direct, clear, and concise manner without, with, by, at, at, while at the same time being making it very obvious that my intent is not to be disrespectful to you. Got it. I like that. You know, I and and I feel like I'm a fuck it, I'm a project manager, I'm a producer. Like 95% of what I do all day is sit and tell people what the fuck they need to do to get shit done the right way and tell them when they're fucking up. Also tell them when they're they're being great. And in in order for me to continue to be a part of the fabric, I need to find the best way to say that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm not going to ruffle feathers, but as long as the intent is there that that this my as long as my intentions are clear, I think that is what's important. So if my intention is to correct you respectfully, that needs to be clear. If my intention is to shut you the fuck down because you're just fucking wrong, that's also going to be very clear. And I think I feel like that is the key to making these conversations that happen at work or making keeping the workplace safe, as yes. we're calling it. Um, period. I think that's the way we keep the conversation safe. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know if there is a if there's a foolproof way to keep the conversation safe. Because part of part of what I felt looking at the weekend in uh, Charlottesville is, and then seeing some of the reactions to the people who were called out by, um, oh boy, what's the, you're so racist. Um, a lot of them were saying, well, you know, this isn't. You know, I'm not this racist monster that you're that you're seeing with the tiki tiki tor- torch, right? So there's it's this weird. I don't want to say weird, but it's there's no foolproof way because these people who are basically saying they don't care if you live or, or live or die or equal rights equal rights means um, basically let's rights for them or discrimination against them because they're white. Um, you don't really know who these people are until you start having these conversations. And if these people are in a position of power, then you may not even know what they're, you may not even know how to approach this situation because everything isn't always black and white. Discrimination isn't always black and white. Bias isn't always black and white. They may not even know, they may not even know that they're, um, that they're discriminating against you in that moment, even though it's, it's coming to them naturally. So to me, there's there's no safe way to approach this. And this kind of goes back to our conversation that we were having last week or, or the last episode, which is 
in everything that you do is unfortunate, but you kind of have to protect yourself. And so if, if you are willing to have these conversations at work, then you should also be aware of the repercussions that, that can come with these conversations. And so you kind of like, all right, cool. If you're, if, and this is what my mother say, like, if you're bad enough to, to, to talk about this, then you kind of need to be bad enough to kind of keep your receipts and make sure that you're, that you're up on your game because this can snowball and it all depends on who you're, you're dealing with. I do feel like there are more white people who are more receptive to having these conversations as of late because quite frankly, it's kind of pop culture. <laughs> like this is, this is where it's, it's escalated to shout out to Donald Trump for making this uh, a thing because coming out of the election, where so many people were able to see that everything that this country kind of holds up as the, the gold standard against, you know, the rest of these third world countries were in jeopardy. And so it became cool to resist. So you, you're probably going to meet more people in the office that are willing to have these conversations and have an open dialogue and not see that, you know, just talking about your basic, hum the basic humanity of people of color isn't, um, isn't a bias against them. So I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that your conversation may amount to something greater and, and help educate someone so that this message keeps going along. But I almost want to say, like, don't be too naive when having these conversations because there's no telling what it can escalate to. Mm. Yeah, 100%. There's definitely no talent. I think, so I'm scrolling through Instagram, um, and I feel like this pertains to exactly what, we, what we're what we discussing right now, and this comes from Michaela Angela Davis, um, and you guys can follow her at, at Michaela Angela Davis, um, or sorry, Michaela Angela D, and I believe mad underscore free. So she just commented on um, on a an image of her on CNN's New Day show, um, June 18, 2005, so this is about two years ago now, um, where she says, I said, June 18, 2015, 7 a.m., I said there was a terrorist attack at the Emanuel African Methodist Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and hashtag Dylan Roof was a terrorist, and Reverend Clem uh, Clement, Clement A. Pickney was assassinated uh, on New Day CNN. I looked up the definitions in the car on the way to CNN, um, to CNN Bureau, to the CNN Bureau. Uh, it was textbook. I sobbed the whole ride. I look weary. I was. She's referencing the picture. Um, I, the lone black woman, called a white blonde American boy a terrorist in real time. I was held after the segment as emails from producers and above uh, were, is he, is this domestic terrorism? Hashtag Charleston, I'm still not over it. Two years later, to see white male conservatives name it, call it what it is, resembles, resembles progress quest, with a question mark. Right. And I feel like that's how we all kind of feel about uh, what's happening in Charlottesville. Um, but I will say that it is those uncomfortable conversations mm. that we have with our colleagues as she did on that show on a platform that is not used to calling 
um, white people, mm-hmm. not just white men, but white people, terrorists. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in current American vernacular, terrorists are brown, brown people that wear robes and that wear turbans and that cover their faces and that oppress their women um, and that fight on behalf of jihad and are called ISIS and Osama bin Laden and anything else that you can name from the Middle East. They are not considered, terrorists does not equal white in mainstream American language. But it took a conversation, which is what I noticed while watching CNN on the plane today, Two years later, the Char- the Charlottesville um, the Charlottesville events were referred to as a terrorist as a, as a terroristic event. The this the people that participated in that were Nazis. Calling somebody a Nazi is a serious ass thing. Mm. Like the Holocaust was not a hundred years ago, bro. Clearly, neither was the civil rights. So everybody is very clear on when you say Nazi, what the fuck you mean. When you say terrorist, oh, some shit is fucked up. And I think it is important for us, especially in media, to call things what the fuck they are, to be very clear and concise with our intentions, and to not uh, not sit there and just let things happen. Right. I think one of the key things that she that she pointed out is, you know, facts are facts, right? So she she and I mean, she looked up the definitions and while definitions could be up for interpretation, like she used them to ground her opinion. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, when if we are going to have these these conversations in the workplace is to it's to come with facts. So while you are educating someone else, make sure that that you're educated as well, because there there is a response. Like you have a responsibility in those moments to make sure that you're not just sharing things from your perspective, because your perspective isn't the the only one. To make sure that you're you're grounding what you're saying in in facts. And I think that's to me when I'm listening to what you're what you're saying, which is. She did the work, and I think that's something that if if we, whether you're a black or you're white, if you're going to start having these conversations, because we are encouraging white people to have these conversations amongst their friends, to do the work and make sure that you're sharing these um, this point of view responsibly. Yep. So with that, let's go ahead and get to. I mean, final thoughts. <laughs> Like final thoughts, what what are the solutions? Like what are our next steps? I think um my next step my next step is clear is, is is be clear on what your intentions are and don't be afraid to have the conversation. Um I think that's like I think reading Michaela Angela Davis's post just now is important because I think we get frustrated all the time. Like, fuck, we're still having these conversations. And yes, nobody deserves an applause for micro progress because you getting a 91, or sorry, you getting a 61 on a test today and a 62 on that same test tomorrow doesn't, you know, isn't out here fucking changing the world, but it's better than it not changing. And I feel like the more we have these conversations and the more we push for it and the more people that we know want to engage in conversation and not just push their agenda, we can help to kind of 
shape the landscape, you curate the landscape for progress and what that looks like. So whatever we're talking about today, I don't think that we'll see the progress or the change from that next year, but maybe five years from now, we'll be like, remember when we said that this is some shit that we needed to do or that these are the conversations we need to have? I feel like that's when we'll see it. So we're sowing the seeds now to reap the benefits later. I agree, and I think for mine, it's being engaged in the conversation and to be that person of reference because, you know, I do want people to have, I do want to seem to be open to tell and educate others so they don't continue with the same closed mindset. If they're asking questions, why wouldn't I answer? So that's my next step. I mean, if you ask me a question, I'm always going to... Are you going to answer? I, 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 no, I, w- I would answer because I think it's... What type of answer are you going to get? <laughs> no, I would I would answer responsibly because it's, it's almost like the conversation about the birds and the bees, right? You don't have this conversation with... If you don't have this conversation with your child, then your child's going to go learn it from their friends and end up pregnant, right? So it's mm-hmm. probably not the best analogy, but... It's, to me, that's that's the way that I, I look at it, where if you ask me a question, I'm going to to answer responsibly. Um, not going to lie. I don't... The pace at, what this is, at which this is happening doesn't... It frustrates the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like, how long should it take you for you to see me as human? Mm-hmm. Right. So this is to me that's that's frustrating. I do feel like we've we've made some we've made some some strong strides in the last year. And it's primarily because Donald Trump is in the White House and it shocked the fuck out of a lot of people, especially, you know, people who I guess identify as liberals. Um, it shocked them. And so I think that helped, you know, push things forward a little bit. So as far as next steps for me, it's, it's kind of just keep doing what I've already been doing. Um, a lot of my approach is really like, I'm friends with a lot of white people. Um, they're on my Facebook. like i am like i'm friends i'm friends with a lot of them a lot of them and they're on my facebook and i think you know for a long time these conversations were happening you know like we say at the bar like at the beginning of the show like these conversations happen in the bar so it's basically an echo chamber it's me and the homies and we're talking about race and we're in in somebody's living room we're talking about race and for me what i've just been doing is being very frank on Facebook about how I feel and not being coy about it, saying, my white friends, this is what I expect of you. This is what I expect you to do because you just wanting to be my friend isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to make sure that you, that that when you're not around me, that you're operating and in this in the same manner that you would operate when you're around me. So I use my Facebook as a platform and a lot of times I think people are just like, Oh damn, this probably he's probably always talking about race. But to me, I feel like you see it. 
I, I know that you see it. Like, because if I post 10 times a day about this in various different forms, I know you're going to see it. And quite frankly, I need you to know exactly how I feel. Because if you don't agree, then you can keep it moving. Because mm-hmm. that, to me, that's the other way of weeding out the people who just, they're not going to change you. You don't need them in your life and you don't need to be in their lives. Um, so to me, that's what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm just going to kind of keep doing what I've been doing, which is if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer that question. I can't say that I'm, going, I'm probably going to be the conversation starter um, unless there's, there's something that's happening in that moment. But for me, Facebook has Facebook has been uh, a really, to me, it's been a tool that I've used in the last couple of years to kind of just let people know exactly how I'm feeling. Because that's the other thing when you when you we have these conversations in an echo chamber. To your point earlier about that quote, which is, if you don't tell me that it hurts, like then I think you liked it. And so if I'm saying on Facebook, like, this is how this is making me feel. This stresses me out. This makes me sad. This this depresses me. This frustrates me. If I'm saying it very candidly on Facebook and you're you're reading it, and it's not just that you're reading it once in a while, but you're reading it on a consistent basis because this shit happens on a consistent basis. And it's it's kind of it's it happens enough where there's rarely a week where we're not talking about something that's oppressive mm-hmm. because something oppressive yeah. is always happening. So if you're seeing that I'm, you're seeing my POV on these issues, I would expect that there's going to be some sort of change on your end. If you truly care about how I feel. Mm. I went ahead and I looked up the, um, the quote. So it's by Zora Neale Hurston. Shout out to HU as always. Um, but she says, if you're silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I personally don't that's, like pain. Y'all know I'll talk about a headache in a, in a hot minute. Yeah. So, no. And I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how I see Facebook. And I also see it as this place where you can be responsible about it because there's a way to post and have it be educational where you're not just complaining. And I think that's, the, you know, you want to, that's part of, I guess that's what I mean by being responsible, where it's not just complaining, but it's 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 kind of the way we talk about the show, it's, it's solution venting. So we're venting because we want to see a change. We're venting, we're venting because we want you to react in a way that, bene- not, that just, just doesn't benefit me, but benefits everyone who's like me. Yep. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and close out the show. Um, As you guys know, you can always follow us on the social platforms as well as shoot us emails. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Ask Mixed Company. Yep. Um, You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Mixed Company Podcast. And also email us um, on the Gmail tip at askmixedcompany at gmail.com. You guys enjoy the rest of your weeks. Stay, you know, continue to do things for the culture. Keep speaking up about your pain and about the things that give you pause. And um, let's keep pushing the envelope. Peace. Bye. Later.